Welcome to It's Always Day One. My name is George Reed, a former Amazonian turned Amazon consultant. Each week on the podcast, you're going to hear industry experts, brand owners, and Amazon employees share their answers to the basic yet fundamental questions you should be asking yourself about your Amazon business. Now, let's jump in. Hello, Elizabeth. Thank you so much for joining me today um, in your incredibly echoey room, but we're there. It's going to be great. I'm sure the content's going to be hot, so it's not going to be a problem. Do you want to give us a quick 20-second overview of your yourself? Yeah, so me personally or the business? Or ah, every, mix, all the above? Up if you like. <laughs> That's already 10 seconds in, so you've got 10 <laughs> seconds to explain both now. It's up to you. All right. Um Business first. So I am the co-founder along with my husband of an advertising agency called Jungler. Um, we specifically cater to done for you Amazon PPC services. Anything on Amazon we run. Um, it allows sellers to take that completely off their plate and partner with somebody who's going to grow their business without having to um, bring their mental facilities to bear and worry about every single update. I like I like that thought process there of because it's so true like bringing their their mental capacity overstretching mm-hmm. it because the, the ad side particularly which we'll get into can be such a I was going to use the term head fuck then I realise that's quite rude but I've used <laughs> it now anyway but it can be as they keep rolling these things out very quickly um, it can just be a bit overwhelming and I guess that's where um agencies like yourself come in but you've i like your husband husband wife team how long have you Mm -hmm. guys been um playing with the ads so i'm the one who does all the ad side i'm the one who weirdly gets excited about spreadsheets now um he definitely does not um my husband his entire family has been very entrepreneurial from his birth um so he's very much understanding on things that just the back end of running a business, setting up LLCs and taxes and things that scare me, if I'm being completely honest. <laughs> um, but I'm the one who geeks out over new buttons inside of Seller Central. So it ends up shaking out. Yeah, and that's, I think, why I originally reached out because you saw the new follow button, which was pretty cool. Maybe we'll, maybe we'll come on to it. So question question number one to kick off and get kind of the ball rolling. What one thing would you be doing right now to create sustainable success on Amazon? Hmm. Well, if I'm streak, if I'm speaking strictly from an ad perspective, it would be identifying where your product fits in the market. Um, and definitely. So in tandem with identifying where your product fits in the market, um, and looking at an account as a whole and not necessarily an individual product it would be don't get married to anything. Um, be that a keyword, be that a specific product that no longer works, um, competition that moves in. Um, if you really want to have sustained success, it's going to be rolling with the punches and then really understanding the market. Um, we've seen just through running ads, if you have a product that stands out that has a killer listing, has a killer offer, that's just going to translate. Um, we, if I'm being 100% honest, so we do run advertising. We're really good at what we do. But we'll have um, clients come to us or 
potential clients. Most times we're a hundred percent honest and then don't end up taking them on. But there's a lot of people who think that advertising is going to be a magic bullet. My sales are crap. So let's run advertising and fix it. <laughs> and if your product is not doing very well, advertising gets you visibility. It gets you clicks. It gets you shoppers landing on your product. But if that product doesn't convert, you're just throwing money out the window. Um, so sustainability, like I said, again, it's understanding where your product fits in the market, um, knowing how to target that through very, you'll hear the word highly relevant keywords thrown around all the time. But honestly, that's where you need to start. Um, so niche down on where your product fits. And then once you have that down, then worry about taking on, you know, the bigger pieces of the market, maybe the more high volume keywords. Um, the more broader terms. Yeah, and I think this, in my opinion, it's a good answer. And this is a step or a process you go through before you even start advertising, before you've perhaps got the product sample sat there in front of you. Like you'll need to understand who's going to buy it before you then go let's buy 10,000 of these bad boys and get them into Amazon. So by the time, an, an ultimate strategy would be by the time you've got to Amazon, you're turning the ads on and perhaps you're consulting someone like yourself going, help us with the advertising. No doubt part of that initial discussion is going to be kind of who is your target customer? Mm-hmm. What research have you got? What do they do? And you can build out that um I didn't want to use the term customer avatar as someone criticized me recently <laughs> for using it saying, I don't know what that means. So if you can build out your target customer and explain that to anyone supporting of your ads, it's going to ensure that the whole experience is much more successful. And I like what you touched upon there. And you didn't use the term, but I heard it recently of like ads is ads are only going to make a product fail faster, essentially <laughs> like a bad product fail faster. Um, because if it's, not the right product um, and it hasn't got the right targeting. doesn't matter how good your ads are. It's just simply not going to work, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, no, that's definitely the case. Um, we see a lot of sellers who um, maybe get, I mean, a, a good one is like face masks, which are I don't recommend anyone trying to even try to get into that market right now. But, you know, someone say, okay, I want to sell on face masks. Like here's the keyword face mask. Good grief. I can guarantee you because I've seen, I've seen the numbers on the back end. Top of search is going to be like $17. If you're selling a product for $9, it just, the math doesn't work out. So it's, I mean, mm. there, the advertising on Amazon is a couple parts intuition and a couple parts just hard numbers. Um, and that goes back to my first answer on don't get married to anything. If you're advertising on something and your numbers just don't work out and your product isn't gaining anything in rank, maybe it's time to take a hard look and, you know, think about killing it. And that, I mean, that's tough to have and it's a lot easier. It's still hard for me, even if I'm, you know, not the one actually selling the product. Um, if I find a keyword that logically this seems like it's going to be a great fit for the product and then the numbers just don't work out. Sometimes, you know, even me looking at it, I'm thinking, well, this, you know, it looks like it works really good here, but at some level you just have to realize you're just throwing money out the window. So you need to make logical decisions. 
I think what's... So you mentioned there about those face masks, and I think the mindset for a face mask company would be, okay, we don't mind spending $17 to get a $9 sale because we're confident we can make sales on the back end. So how does your ad strategy change for consumable items then? Yeah, I mean, you can see those numbers actually um, in the business reports and in brand analytics. Um, and to some degree, if you're brand registered, you can see the new to brand orders. Um, so that that is definitely something to look at. Um, also... And I think most reports, you will see not only orders, but you'll see units ordered. So that's definitely some numbers that play into it. Um, so yeah, you yeah. can, you can look at those numbers as well. And that's, you know, taking a much more deep dive holistic approach, which is what we do. It gets a little bit much for some people when you have hundreds of products and are trying to dig into it, but. Yeah, like we discussed in um, about two episodes ago, for anyone listening, Rael, 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 I believe is correct pronunciation, actually now I remember, Rael Klein, um, he did a great one with this, and you should check it out as well, Elizabeth. I actually on, on... did, I listened to it. <laughs> it was really good. <laughs> yeah, yeah, well it's it's interesting when you dive further into that data and not just dive in, but you have the ability to view it, how it can really change your ad strategy. Um, mm-hmm. And you're right, you mentioned there, when you have that monstrous range, it can be very difficult to do that. But saying that you're, yourself, you, you said you're a big kind of number cruncher, you enjoy, enjoy a good Excel sheet on a Friday night instead of a glass of wine, and that's fine, you know, each to their own. But what would those reports you'll be putting right now on Sell Essential, what are the ones you're digging into on a regular basis for clients and why? On a regular basis, um, okay. Do you, the I guess the holy grail is going to be um, your search term report. That's going to give you an insight into the back end on your keywords. Um, because if you're using other match types and um, hint, you should be testing all match types. Um, and another hint is broad match actually performs very well in high volume niches, which is kind of counterintuitive, you would think, but I've seen some really good results, um, with that. So I wouldn't like discount any match type. Um, but then definitely in tandem with that is going to be your search term report. That is going to give you the most actionable data when it comes to new keywords, because you know that these have converted for your product and then you can retarget them. Um, if you're dealing with things at scale, bulk sheets are a great way to dig into the data and optimize. Um, that's a whole thing. Hey folks, it's George here. I'd like you to check out my new site, georges.blog. It's where you can find all of my famous weekly emails, as well as how we can work together. To repeat, that's georges.blog. Now, let's carry on with the episode. When you say kind of bulk sheets, do you mean um, where you're essentially utilizing Excel to create a, a macro and crunching yes. the numbers like that? Is it, yeah, okay, just to clarify. So it's, um, it's bulk operations. There is a way inside of uh, the advertising console to download a spreadsheet, which will contain all of your campaigns across your entire account. Um, the only caveat to that would be is sponsor display ads currently are not in bulk sheets. I'm kind of waiting for that to drop because I'll be a happy camper when it does. Um, but 
Um, yeah, so that will give you a snapshot. So you can select a specific date range and then look at every single one of your campaigns, every single one of your keywords. You can drill down to the product level. You can look at the campaign level. Um, you can filter to different portfolio levels. Um, that's why another tip, you should have a really good campaign naming structure, ad group naming structure. Mm-hmm. It will help you drill down things a lot cleaner than if you're using things like ad group one just please yeah that's a that's a really good tip and i was speaking to our account manager recently on this and he was like i'm just loving portfolios at the moment because he was Mm -hmm. saying how much cleaner it looks and like i don't go into the ads console much but i went in and maybe i go in like three times a week just to see what's occurring Mm -hmm. um and I was like, that just looks so clean. I got off over it. I was like, that's brilliant. It comes down to like when you name your SKUs and having a SKU structure, yes. I've always recommended. And the amount of people that, that don't. And I'm like, it just makes it harder work for you down the line. Mm-hmm. Is that, that organization, is that another big tip right here of if you are managing this yourself, yes. being incredibly organized and having that structure and that process rather than just, Oh, add one, add two, right? Yes, because um, you can probably do it with one product, even two and three. It's going to be hard. Scale that up to a very large account and you, you're you going to spend like 50% of your time just trying to figure out what's what. Um, and the less brain power you can use, the you know the more brain power you can put towards actually making actionable decisions on your advertising. Um, so yes, portfolios are amazing. Um, we personally use them inside our advertising to, we use one portfolio per product group. You can create a lot of portfolios, but the reason that's so amazing is I can go into any single account we are advertising, click on a single portfolio and know exactly how that, um, product, how much mm-hmm. it's spending, what the sales are, what the ACOS looks like. I can analyze all the numbers and know it's only for this specific product. Again, the caveat is sponsored display. You can't really add that. There's kind of a weird workaround, but honestly, it, it doesn't work half the time. Um, so there is that. But mm-hmm. So big takeaway there. Big takeaway. I completely get that. And hopefully that is clean enough for everyone to listen to understand of having structure, following a process. Mm-hmm. Um, and if there's any other follow-up questions and exactly what that looks like, obviously feel free to give Elizabeth a follow on LinkedIn. I'll share the link inside. Um, so another note, I just want to pivot across slightly um, as we're looking to focus on doing these slightly shorter sessions that I'm playing with at the moment. Um, but how much competitor research are you doing right now when you're advertising? And what does your competitor research look like? Like, What are some of the processes you're going through? For top competitors in the space? Yeah, I mean, whatever, like you take on a campaign or you take on an account, um, part of it, part of your role is obviously, let me dig into some competitors. I'm sure mm-hmm. clients are sharing some with you, but what are you doing in that competitor research? Yeah, so my very first course of action for any new product launch, um, I get something new I'm trying to dig into, find additional keywords, is always going to fi- be to find the most highly relevant highest search volume keyword. So I want to find where's the intersection between a keyword that has decent amount of search volume, but is very relevant to the product. And the term highly relevant is always thrown around. Um, it's a manual process to find that. What you want to do is you want to go to amazon.com, um, type in that keyword, 
use a, I don't know what the term is on Apple, but I know in like um, Chrome, it's incognito window. Basically a window that's not going to track any of your past searches. Because if you search things on Amazon, it's going to influence what shows up. Amazon's always tracking you. They want to serve up what's great. You want the cleanest data possible. Um, so type in that keyword on Amazon and just see what comes up on the first page. If it's a bunch of random products that are kind of like your product, there's one or two that are kind of like yours, but not everything on the page, your product doesn't absolutely fit in this page. Um, it might be somewhat relevant, but it's not highly relevant. So you want to find what keyword has the, you know, the biggest search volume, but your product absolutely fits on that page. Um, mm -hmm. and once you find that, then working out from there. Um, yeah, I think that's, that's so important as well. And I think even I remember speaking to, to my good man, Josh Justice a while ago, and he was saying he would, he would spend every day just looking at keywords, <laughs> just browsing, playing, looking. Um, and it, it kind of is, you know, we talk about customer obsession, but it's kind of like job obsession as well as, or product obsession or advertising obsession, whatever it is, mm -hmm. you want to label it as it's just spending that time looking, searching, discovering, um, similar to how it, you run experiments and you continuously kind of test, implement, test, implement, pivot, pivot. It's exactly the same, like with, that incognito approach it it makes so much sense um yeah. because you can just discover one little rabbit hole where you're very relevant particularly when you think of things like the the pet industry which can go across so many different things or mm -hmm. um, when you think about personal health and all these sorts of matters um so that that's one area you focus on quite a lot and then when you look at do you utilize that sort of approach for product targeting as well when you're looking to drop in on other people's listings and steal yes. some clicks away. Is that another approach for doing that? Yeah. So that's definitely an approach. Um, it, um, most of our strategies will vary on how um, profitable the seller needs to be and then how much our budget is to spend. So the way we work is we actually let the, um, the client a hundred percent dictates whatever budget we're, we have allotted. And so depending on how big that budget is and then depending on how, say, risk averse they are, that will determine on how wide we're going to go with the advertising. So if we're going super wide, if we are just nailing every single thing, we want to make sure every single base is covered and we are everywhere, um, then yes, I'm definitely going on to the entirety of page one, probably page two, um, every single keyword I can find and just scraping every single one of those ASINs and I'm going to target them. Um, now, one other thing would be, so depending on how, a, you know, how absolutely gung-ho we need to be out of the gate we might set high bids on those or a good strategy especially this time of year when people are browsing is just to take all your comp top competition like that and just put low bids um you may get impressions you may not but you're not going to pay a lot for those clicks versus you know if i'm targeting hundreds of asins and i have a dollar bid on every single one of those that gets expensive really fast um so determining, you know, how much you can spend and then also how competitive you are for the market. For instance, the amount of star rating you have, um, that's going to, if you have absolutely no stars and you show up underneath competition, that's got full five stars and their price is lower than yours. Most likely you're not going to do very well at that placement. So you don't want to pay a lot for that. 
Um, so just bringing logic into it as well. Yeah, and I think so. An interesting caveat to that would be the the power of your brand. Like we're working with with a client at the moment. Their their brand name is Monstrous. Um, so the benefit of that is they launched a brand new bundle to the market. They've got zero ratings. Mm-hmm. It's literally seven days live, completely new. Um, but we are still seeing great success targeting competitors because inside of that bundle, the original product is there, um, which is world-renowned and kind of sells millions each year. So there's always a caveat to these things, obviously, mm-hmm. but that would be my only one there. If you can get away with being aggressive with your product targeting if yeah. you are a, a big brand name and you know that, say, Starbucks launch a new bundle and they drop yeah. it onto your listing, it doesn't matter if you've got 100 five-star reviews, they can come in with the Starbucks one and people are going to go, no reviews, but it's from Starbucks. The trust is there. And mm-hmm. that's term we, we use a lot. Um, so there's always that caveat, right? Yes, and I would also add to that, if you have discovered something um, just through market research that the market really, really wants, We've seen that as well. Um, if you come out of the gate with just an amazing proposition, a lot of times you're just going to do really good, especially if you can convey that through a high-quality listing, high-quality pictures, that you're you're the premium product and you're something that the market wants. Those do good as well. Awesome. Well, Elizabeth, thank you so much for, for jumping in today. I quite enjoy the, the quick fire um, covering three quick points there, and I think you Definitely gave me a few lessons, which I'll be sharing with our ads guy. So I'm sure he's definitely doing. I'm sure he is, but I like to, uh, I like to continuously dig away and throw tips his way. So you shared a few and hopefully the listeners got something from that as well. Thanks so much for your time though. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much for having me. I'll see you on LinkedIn, no doubt. Ciao. Yeah. Bye. Bye. Hey guys, just a quick one. If you are enjoying the podcast and either have some actionable next steps or new ideas, I'd really appreciate if you could, one, subscribe to the show and leave us a review. These are really, really important to us, as you probably know, being in the Amazon world. And two, if you're looking for additional support with your brand, head over to the website. It's always dayone.co.uk, where we've got links to other resources. That's all for now, guys. Speak soon.